At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome into My Guys in the Desert. Happy Friday. Danielle Alvari here at the VSIN studio inside the South Point Sportsbook. And on the desk to me today, we have JVT Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst here at VSIN. But do remember, he enjoys other sports as well. Check right. him out on Twitter at MeJVT. And we also have Aaron Rinning joining us on the desk as well. So lots of NBA talk to come. As you can imagine, I have questions about last night's game, too. In the NBA Finals, the Suns and the Bucks, the Suns win another one. Final score 118 to 108. They cover the total goes over here and of course the series price now with the Suns up two to zero minus 500 in favor of the Suns on DraftKings and Bucks plus 375 Aaron what did you think of last night's game uh, well Daniel I think the Bucks have questions as well <laughs> I don't know if they have the answers uh, that's the, the problem here as we approach this game um, you know it, it it is what it is with this Bucks team at this point they maybe fix the leak where they're not allowing a lot of mid-range to Booker and Chris Paul, but what's that do? It opens up the three-point line uh, for the Phoenix Suns. 20 of 40 uh, from the three-point line. Very difficult to beat a team when they shoot that well, uh, and including with that, very difficult to beat a team when uh, when the Bucks with Middleton and Holiday, 5 of 24 from the field uh, in the first half. They just could not make a bucket in that second quarter. So that was it. I mean, this is a Bucks team that's fundamentally flawed, has a lot of issues coming in. It's just hard to fix them uh, at this point in a game-by-game basis. And, you know, the Phoenix Suns are really uh, just the better basketball team, and I stress basketball team, 
even though uh, overcome Giannis and Superman last night. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree with that. And look, I think one of the things ER that was relatively surprising about yesterday, because I was asked a couple of times too, like, what are the adjustments? I don't know if there's adjustments to make if you're Milwaukee other than score more, right? Because the answer, think about that. In multiple times in the second half, they cut it, what, to four points, mm-hmm. I think, despite the struggles of Middleton and Drew Holiday. The offensive approach is there for Milwaukee. And yesterday you saw more drop coverage, which meant what? More open three-point shots, and those went down at an insane rate, like you said. Like I think if we're talking about moving forward here, Danielle, for Milwaukee, to me the adjustment is, like I guess you ask Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday very nicely to step up and <laughs> score a little bit more because I think they have the offensive pieces. Look, Giannis, they don't – I'm very, very confident in saying they have no answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think it's 143 points in four games, both regular season and postseason. They can work off of that from an offensive standpoint. But I've said this multiple times, this defense and the way that they play, it just is tailor-made for what Phoenix wants to do, and I don't think there's anything to do. Well, when we take a look here at the totals, obviously we've seen two overs hit here, and you're talking about the Bucks needing to have more offense. Are you thinking that that's going to be something that's going to continue or are things going to tighten up in game three? Well, I mean, you know, things are going to change a little bit here, but, and you know, that's the biggest thing. Middleton and Holiday, both should, one of those guys right. will do better in this game. Middleton, of course, had a, a better game one. But, you know, what the Bucks do on offense, they don't really do a whole lot. You mm-hmm. know, they clear it out for Giannis. Um, they don't really, you know, watch what Phoenix does on on offense where Chris Paul is always hunting the weakest defender. You never see the Bucks do anything like that. They're just, again, kind of a fundamentally flaw. They're trained not to do certain things that you need to do. And, I, you know, it just seems a little bit too late to ask them. And that's just it. I mean, a great first quarter, a really good first quarter. The Bucks did a lot of good things last night, still got beat by 10 points. But, you know, just the, the adjustments that they can make, I, I just don't know how capable this team is of doing that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, you know, when, when Drew Holiday gets Chris Paul switched on him, right, you post him up and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, when Chris Middleton has Chris Paul on him, do something with it. And I think that has been, like, the biggest difference here, Danielle, which is, I like, you see one team where, okay, if it's drop coverage – well, I'm going to exploit the mid-range area of the floor, and if not, I'm going to kick it to an open shooter, right? If it is switch everything, we will get the mismatch that we want, and if it's Brooke Lopez on Chris Paul, I will work that, or I will kick it to somebody like a DeAndre Ayton who's on Drew Holiday, and we will work that mismatch. And, and to Aaron's point, it's like, okay, let's try Giannis this play. Okay, let's try Chris Middleton this play. And there's and, really and, no rhyme or reason. And, and JVT, you know, what? when the Clippers did have success against Phoenix, the biggest thing they did is they hunted uh, Devin Booker right. uh, from an offensive perspective. They were looking to go against Booker every single time time down the court, which obviously, again, makes sense because uh, try to get him to use uh, as much energy on defense so he's not so good on offense. The Bucks never do that. They, they just never want to attack and try to make and go at Booker, and it's it's been a theme of them in the playoffs. They've done it over and over again, uh, like you know, they, a team that just doesn't know what they're doing. And to give the Suns credit, which is why the Torrey Craig injury is pretty important, in that Clipper series, like he's mentioning, they put Torrey Craig out there, and they just refused that matchup. Every time they would scram, try to get back all of that stuff, now with Craig injured, Star is injured as well. It's there for the Bucks, but are they going to exploit it? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about this game more. Stick with us right here on My Guys in the Desert.
Welcome into My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Varson, and here for Matt Humans yet again. On the desk with me, we have JVT, our senior NBA analyst, and of course, Aaron Winning joining us on a Friday, as he always does. Aaron, what are you going to do after NBA season ends? What are you going to do on Friday afternoons? Um, well, <laughs> have a I'll be tuning time. you in, Danielle. Oh, you're going to uh, keep. Well, I'll be on a, a beach somewhere <laughs> enjoying a, a cold drink, hopefully. Yeah, that's the best place, actually, to listen to My Guys in the Desert. <laughs> so, uh, we were obviously just talking about the NBA finals here. We had game two going on last night. The Suns lead the series two to zero. Um, and my question really is, what does this mean for Budenholzer as well for the Bucks? Is this okay for him now that he made it to the finals? Or what do you think the Bucks are going to do with him in the offseason? Well, I, I mean, I think it would be a huge mistake to, to keep him at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think, JVT, you can expand on this in a second. But I, I think the system that he even runs is dated at this point in the right. NBA. It was probably a better system 10 years ago, maybe five years ago. But the drop coverage uh, seems to be a dying thing. Uh, in the NBA, obviously, if you cannot guard the three-point line uh, with your system, that creates a lot of problems as well. And he's obviously, at this point in the playoffs, incapable of making any kind uh, of adjustments here. And uh, ironically, I find it kind of funny in researching and reading about the Bucks. it's actually the players. Some of the positive adjustments that they've had in the playoffs so far is veterans like P.J. Tucker going, hey, let's try this, let's do this. <laughs> so Budenholzer is just doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Along for the ride. Uh, but, that, but, you know, the Bucks have bigger issues than that. Uh, if you get rid of Budenholzer, I think you get rid of whoever's in charge of the front office here as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a little bit tied in to what they can do. They don't have a lot of assets. Who's going to want Chris Middleton? Uh, and uh, these guys are getting older uh, around Giannis as well. So uh, they have a lot of issues. And I'll say this, and obviously, you know, this would be a long ways away, but Remember, James Harden uh, wants out in Houston after mm -hmm. signing a long-term contract. That's obviously what the, you don't want to hear uh, from Giannis uh, in, uh, in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. Yeah, I'd agree. And look, I think, like, so if we go back to last night, Danielle, I think uh, last night was one of those where, like, I didn't want to crucify Budenholzer because I think when you have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton performing the way that they do, that's kind of tough. Having said that, big picture-wise, I would agree with everything that ER has said. And I think one of the more underrated points that ER made was just look at the way this team is constructed overall, right? Like, we, can, we talk all the time here about like, hey, let's go small. Problem with that is Dante DiVincenzo's hurt. So you can't really go small because you lack ball handling, and that goes back to roster construction. This is a wing and front court oriented roster. There's not a lot of depth at point guard behind Drew Holiday. And he tried to fill the gap with Jeff Teague, but he's, he's a little bit of a problem. Bryn Forbes is a defensive liability, mm -hmm. so that speaks to the front office issues. You know, there is a, a little bit of a flaw in the way that this team is constructed. So you have a flawed and outdated defensive scheme. You have a relatively flawed construction of this roster. And yes, you made it to the NBA Finals. But let us not forget you were getting spanked by the Brooklyn Nets through two games before they had all their injuries. So I would agree with the sentiment that regardless of this, unless they pull this out, I guess, and win the NBA Finals, I would think that you kind of clean up a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Well, we talk about Middleton. We talk about what we haven't really seen from him or from Holiday. Uh, but Giannis, even through his injury, obviously has answered some questions about his health. He had 42 points, 15 to 22 from the field, 11 of 18 from the free throw line, even with the Suns fans doing their best to count him up <laughs> on those free throws. I actually don't know if that's even the best way to distract him at this point. And good thing you don't get to minus one for an air ball. Yeah, right. truly. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so what can the Bucks actually do, obviously, at this point? I know you guys said there's not a lot of options really here if Chris Middleton and um, – you know, the other Bucks offense are not going to do anything to generate more offense. So is there an answer here? You know, again, they, they, there is answers. There's actually a lot of answers, but I don't know if they're incapable of finding those answers because I remember when I watched them play the, the Nets in the first game against them, I'm like, right away I'm like, there's eight different things this team can do a lot better, and they don't do any. I mean, they don't really do <laughs> any of them uh, at this point. So number one, 
you try to attack the weakest defender, which if you watch any playoff games, the better teams do that over mm-hmm. and over again. So, yeah, Devin Booker, you try to go against him as much as possible. Again, you make him work uh, so he's not maybe as efficient on offense as well. Um, and, and the Bucks sometimes they go opposite. They'll like pick off a guy, and then they'll get the better defender on them. So they they almost <laughs> then go, they go to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. So they almost <laughs> go opposite uh, in some ways. Um, t- for me, and JVT might argue this. I, I would go small more. And I mean, mm-hmm. to me, you just put as many shooters around Giannis as possible. Let him do what he did yesterday and shoot the three point shot. You haven't done. You haven't stopped this team on defense in All the right. first two games. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you, you know, you plug one hole. And another uh, hole open, so uh, I would I would just uh, again yeah go small and just try to outscore them. Yeah, and I, I agree with the sentiment that they should go small. My issue is is like when you we go small, it's not going to be the most optimal lineup, right. right? Like so, if you if you throw out there, well, let's just say your lineups are Drew Holiday, Bryn Forbes, Chris Middleton. Uh, let's go Bobby Portis and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right? There's not much ball handling out there, and Bryn Forbes is going to get destroyed defensively. They're going to go after him every single time, <laughs> right? We talked right. about hunting for mismatches. Okay, so let's go with Pat Connaughton. Yeah, Connaughton's like a 35 percent three point shooter. He's not exactly shooting, but he has his moments. So like, I agree with the sentiment. Hey, let's go small. Let's switch a lot. Let's do that because that'll help us out. I just think for the most part, even when you do, it's the optimal lineup, but the construction is not optimal. And that's where it leads to some of the flaws. But I would agree with the most part. Like, look, the drop coverage isn't working. So why don't you play small and try to optimize your defense for the most part? And Giannis, I think, is at his best offense. You saw it multiple times. How many times did we see yesterday driving kicks out to open shooters? The shooters just didn't hit those shots. So I think you'll see more small ball out there. And I I think that leads to less drop coverage, which switches things up for the Phoenix Suns. But at the end of the day, it's about what you're going to do from an offensive standpoint. Because I agree with the art. You're not stopping the Suns from a defensive standpoint. So you have to optimize what you're doing offensively. But it sounds like what you're saying, though, too, is if they do optimize their lineup on the offensive side of things, the defense might suffer a little bit here for them. But, and so then you're in a, a boat race at right, this Right, but the defense hasn't been good. I mean, right. I think Phoenix game one yeah. had a 118 offensive rating. Game two was like 127. Some of that was yep. because they they shot the three-point shot so well. But so I at this point, I don't know if there's a whole lot they can do. Mm-hmm. And they might – I mean, they might – they're probably better off going back to game one and allowing Chris Paul and Booker to take those mid-range shots and not let Phoenix shoot 20 or right. 40 from three-point. Yeah, I would agree because when you play that drop coverage and you saw it again, so in the regular season where they played a majority of that drop coverage, uh, they gave up the third most wide open looks from three according to the NBA's tracking data. What did we see yesterday when they played a majority of drop coverage? We saw a crap ton of wide open threes and the Phoenix Suns were hitting them and, you know, look, are they going to shoot 51% from three again if you you take out that heave uh, I think Devin Booker had in that game? No, probably not, but you're still going to get those open looks and this is a skilled enough team that is going to hit them Uh, and I think the the sneaky part what I'm interested in, Danielle, and I want to hear your thoughts here is like I wrote about this the other day where the Suns have been Knicks-esque in the postseason in terms of allowing open shots, mm-hmm. but opponents have not been giving them up. I think 18% of opponent three-point attempts were wide open in the postseason. You know, if you just go anecdotally, that Clipper series, how many times are you watching those games? You're like, open looks, they're just not hitting them. Mm-hmm. And in the game, in the first game, the Bucks were hitting those shots. Game two, they weren't, but they were still getting them. And I think that's kind of the path going forward here, too, for Milwaukee. You're getting some of these looks that you want. They have no answer for Giannis. It's about finding your baseline in terms of your shooters out there as well. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Three-point shooting can be so random, and that was just it. In game one, the Bucks shot well. Phoenix did not. They got the free throw line a ton last night. It was the complete opposite. So you never know exactly uh, from game to game. But, you know, the biggest thing is, again, you watch the Phoenix Suns making the extra pass always find that shot that is a good shot and the bucks just don't have that offensively they're just not kind of that attached team don't have that system uh, to be able to duplicate what the suns do like there was a possession yesterday where chris middleton gets the ball and i can't remember i think
think it was Pat Connaughton was wide open on the right wing. And instead of even looking at him, he's just like, now nah, pull up with Mikael Bridges in my face. Right. And like, and he had, he hit it, but it's like, that's not, that's not the shot you it's just want. It's bad decision making. Right. <laughs> I, 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 there were, you know, there's a lot of possessions like right. that. You know, Middleton had a better defender on him, maybe Crowder, whoever it was, uh, in the corner. Holiday was there with Booker. And again, Middleton takes a mid-range shot, trying to shoot over him. It, it's just kind of bad basketball over and over again. Yeah, well, obviously, taking a look at the futures market here seems like an impossible task, especially in a series like this. Uh, but obviously, we've seen enough probably from Giannis to understand maybe where his health bar is at, as JVT likes to yep. say here. Uh, but the Suns are the favorite in the series, minus 500, the Bucks plus 375. Before the series even started, JVT and I were on this show earlier this week before game one. I know that you just had to make a pick here. You said Suns and six. If you have a Suns and six ticket, is it in jeopardy at this point? I, I mean, so I'm pretty even keeled when it comes to like bad starts, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the face of adversity, you you know, my blood pressure just remains the same, as you know. Um, but no, I think, you, look, we can talk about this all the time. It is the cliche, right? You know, the series doesn't start until a team loses at home. The Bucks still have two home games. They have played better at home. Role players tend to play better when they are at their home arenas. So there is, you know, and, and look, they are favored in this game. So we have it, your favorite system coming up, JV. That's right. Down <laughs> old two going that. home. I was lectured on Twitter that it's still a good play. And I was like, I don't think so. But uh, this is still, they're still perfectly capable of tying this through the next two games and you know going back to Mm -hmm. Phoenix 2-2. So do you still feel comfortable with Suns and Six or would you change your prediction at this point of how many games we're going to see here? No, I'd I'd still stay Suns and Six. Look, I think I I mean, I I may be overly and look, it's funny because it sounds like I'm defending Milwaukee even though I think the Suns are going to win the series. Mm -hmm. And I, I may be overly positive, but again, like we had multiple times yesterday with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton playing like absolute garbage where the second best player on that floor was Pat Connaughton and it was a four-point game at the fourth quarter multiple times, mm-hmm. right? So I think if you're Milwaukee, again, you know, you look at the surface and you're like, ah, two double-digit losses. That, that's kind of troubling. I think if you look at it in detail, you had two really good first quarters in this series or two games ER. You were very close in this game multiple times in the second half despite getting no production from anybody else. I don't know if you're feeling confident, but you're not bailing quite yet if you had anything on Milwaukee. Right. Um, you know, I think you approach this, and, you know, I'm not big on betting any of these series prices, whether it's, three, you know, plus 350 for a sweep. I think what you can do if you're a favorite of the Suns, you think the Milwaukee has no shot. I think you go in, um, you go ahead Same. and probably bet um, the Phoenix Suns plus the points in game three, knowing that you're going to wheel back and parley that and let it ride. Because if, if the Suns come in, win game three, um, I'm not sure this goes much more than four at this point. I think uh, the Bucks would be pretty much done. So you could approach it that way if you're on the Suns uh, side of the equation. But um, and yeah, what do you do here uh, with the Bucks? Obviously, in a must uh, a must win situation. Well, when we take a look at the line for game three, I know you're mentioning it here. Uh, the Suns obviously getting four points here. We're at the Bucks. Do you think that we're going to see a lot of line movement here leading up to game time? Because I know that the last two games we were still having some question marks about Giannis. Maybe those have been answered a little bit more. So maybe we'll see a little bit more of a stick. You know, in both games, he's come across with a little bit of limping uh, yeah. in the second half of things. Now, what's going to help him here? is he's going to get a little extra time off. Mm -hmm. Um, They get two days. I mean, in the playoffs, you just have not seen this. They've essentially played every other day, uh, really the last month uh, of basketball. So they do have to travel. Uh, but obviously you get Friday off, you get Saturday off, you have to play Sunday, and then I think you get Monday, Tuesday off, so you have to play Wednesday. So that uh, should help Giannis. 
Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And he he's looked fine for the most part. You mentioned the well, small like moments. Super, super oh, mad last night. <laughs> there were times yesterday, and that's a, he like he really is a good player. There were times where they tried to build the wall, like there was like three guys in front of him, and he would just use his arms and just scoop layup over them. I mean, the inside can be had against this Phoenix team. I mean, to Completely me, that's the, that's the uh, route uh, for Milwaukee to be able to do anything offensively, and you know, let it, let that open up. And they tried last night, and then they couldn't make a shot in the yeah, second quarter. And again, what, what were we talking about the other day? As we mentioned, right, the Suns in the regular season twenty fourth in opponent in, in rim defense, right, in terms of shooting, and in the postseason gave up the most attempts within four feet of the basket. It's just opponents weren't hitting those shots. Milwaukee can exploit each and every one of those angles, and you saw it last game, and you saw it in four regular season games at this point. Again, there, there is no answer, Daniel, for Giannis. None whatsoever, and so now it's about everybody else finding their groove here if you're Milwaukee. From, from that perspective, taking a look at player props, if you're looking at those on Sunday or leading up to Sunday, I know that you've played some three-point props so far, and that's obvious reasons. Obviously, the, Sun have not, the, doing, the Suns rather, have not been doing a very good job defending from that point. So looking from a prop standpoint, where would you look? Well, I mean, my angle, so what I've been doing, here, I, I've bet Mikael Bridges over three point, one and a half three-pointers these mm-hmm. the first two games. And you and I talk about this all the time. You know, you talk about the matchups and you go from there. We know about the Bucks perimeter defense. We know how bad it's been. We know how good Mikael Bridges and what his role is, just plant in the corner and shoot threes. And through two games, we have seen it, and there hasn't really been an adjustment. Uh, Circa opened up a dollar fifty. That's the most expensive price we've seen through the first two games here, and now it's still not that much of an adjustment for me to get off of it. But that is the angle I have been taking, and also it's kind of chalky. But like again, four games, one hundred and forty-two points. Why would you want to go anywhere else but over with Giannis? I know it's probably baked into that, but still, like you've talked about, the inside can be had against Mm -hmm. Phoenix. Yeah, and, you know, that's the only guy you can count on right Right. now from Milwaukee. But, yeah, coming back home court here Mm -hmm. uh, for Milwaukee, this seems like the side you would prefer uh, to be on. Although, again, I'm not running out to bet the Bucs in this series. (laughs) So I think you're looking at Middleton or Holiday to bounce back, uh, maybe a a point prop over uh, with one of them, and maybe you want to bet one of these Phoenix guys. Or maybe if you you prefer the under, under points in this game, maybe you want to look at uh, a Phoenix Suns player under the total. Are we thinking that we're going to see a bounce back from Holiday or Middleton because we need one or because we've seen signs that we're actually going to get one? Uh, that's actually a good point. Uh, you know, both players were aggressive uh, in game you two, that, yeah. which which you want. And, and you know, Holiday, for what he did not do on offense, he actually played a much better Incredible defensive defense, game yeah. uh, guarding Chris Paul, et cetera. You know, Middleton's going to take his shots. That's just it. We haven't had, like, um, you know, a Also, one last thing I wanted to get to. You guys were talking about Chris Paul. He had another good performance, obviously, in Game 2. Great performance in Game 1. So, JVT, how are you feeling about your NBA Finals uh, MVP ticket? Have you already cashed it in your head? Yeah, he's already. He's winning Finals MVP. You know, I, I saw a lot of, oh, watch out, Devin Booker. He, he, Chris Paul's put together two <laughs> great games. And, yes, Devin Booker was spectacular yesterday, 7-12 from three. Chris Paul put up 23-8 and eight on 50% shooting. He was insane in Game 1. This is, this is Chris Paul's award to lose. Is he? Simple. Yeah, he's giving them more than enough reason to vote for him at this point, and there's there's nobody else in the contest for you at this point. I mean, it, it could be Mikhail Booker. Bridges. I mean, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 251. He was great yesterday. I, I thought about pulling the trigger on 250 to one, but yeah, you know, look, so much of this is anecdotal. We talk about these awards all the time, right? And again, I think there's only nine voters for this, and like it's just what? oh really? Right, I think so. And so like when you're looking at it, it's okay, it's a legacy award, Chris Paul, and on top of that, he's put together very, two very good yeah. performances up to this point. So there's a lot that are that's backing Chris. 
Chris Paul here. I'm not. So, I'm what else does he have to do at this point? He's had two good performances Chris so Paul? far. Yeah. I mean, is it already for the right. next two Don't games? Get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like he doesn't even need another good performance at this point. I mean, I, but I think I mean he does. But at the same yeah. time, as ERs kind of alluded to, this defense is tailor made for him. So I think he's just going to stumble into relatively decent performances for the rest of the series. So just really fortunate for them actually that they did end up facing up against the Bucks here at the end, especially for Chris Paul. But I think we'd all like to see him win this. Um, he's sitting at minus one forty three on DraftKings. If still want to get in, not a great number, but uh, in JVT's opinion, looking pretty solid to come home. Uh, let's talk about the next generation of talent in the NBA. We'll talk about the NBA draft next right here on My Guys in the Desert. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels no logins no signups no accounts no hassle so what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com. And remember, you can download the free OddsTrader app right now and start winning with the up-to-the-second info you need. Danielle Alvari, JVT, and Aaron Renning back here on My Guys in the Desert, ready to dive into the NBA draft a little bit. So, uh, draft order here. Obviously, Detroit has the first overall pick. Cade Cunningham, minus 5,000 to be picked first overall, obviously out of Oklahoma State. More or less a foregone conclusion here. But uh, once you've started to take a look into this market what were your initial thoughts here uh, Aaron um, you know I'm not a big college basketball guy so I don't know a lot or have watched these guys certainly more than the experts <laughs> in the draft I will say this 
um, the little bit that I saw of Cade Cunningham yes. uh, in the NCAA tournament. I was not that impressed. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I, I was, I'm a, a little bit, consensus, I'm I a little bit surprised that he's uh, that overwhelming of a favorite to, to be the first overall selection. Well, and there's a lot that goes into it, right? Like he, he's only going to meet with the Pistons, like little things like that that are indicators that the Pistons are going to go ahead and take him. I would agree with the sentiment, you know, watching him, like in terms of the eye test, it wasn't explosive or anything that would make me think that, yeah, lock it up, all right? This guy is the next Anthony Bennett. He's going number one overall. <laughs> but like when I, I think, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a complaint first because one of the things that kind of sucked about this, I brought this up to Mitch when I was filling in a fall of the money a couple weeks ago, Yard, was the... First time you saw odds for first, second, fourth overall, one of the things that really stuck out was that the odds makers, I thought, had it flipped. Evan Mobley initially was the odds on favorite to go second overall, the Houston Rockets. And he was, uh, excuse me, Jalen Green was then the uh, favorite to go third overall. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is when you look at the way that the Rockets, right, uh, constructed their front office, guys that learned under Dale Morey, it's not a front office that tends to pick big guys with the top overall pick, especially this far up. It's also, if you look at the roster, a team that's in desperate need of backcourt presence, especially young backcourt presence. I mean, if you look at the guys that are in terms of their backcourt, right, John Wall, Eric Gordon, DJ Augustine, Avery Bradley, like this is an aging backcourt that needs a lot of youth injected into it. So it didn't make sense that Mobley was the odds-on pick there to go in that area. The problem and the complaint I had is it was not up anywhere in Nevada. And that's the part <laughs> that sucks. You know, you, you wish you could see the expansion of the market a little bit more out here. But I, I, that has been the big adjustment, at least, that I have seen up to this point, Danielle, is the odds makers have fixed this in the other markets. Now, if you mm -hmm. look at it across the board, it makes more sense to me where you had said it. Evan Mobley is the odds-on favorite to go third. Jalen Green is the odds-on favorite to go second. And Jalen Suggs uh, is the odds-on favorite to go fourth. And, and I think that is the order in which it should be at this point right now, at least if we're talking betting odds. Are there any other players that stick out to you so far that you've looked at when you're prepping here? No, I mean, I think one thing that we were talking off the air, the uh, at least the, the narrative uh, around a couple of guys like a Corey Kispert uh, has yeah. been that he's been killing the workouts against chairs and whatnot, and that maybe he's moving up the draft boards at 14 and a half. You know, I, look, I think the problem is, and I've said this a couple of times when it comes to as we get closer to the draft, even though I'm working on my mock draft, it's going to be out. It's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> once you get past the, we'll call them the locks, right, the top three prospects, the the top four prospects you are drafting on so much on projection and what you think these guys will be as opposed to what they are i always make the comparison in the national football league if i need a linebacker i get to pick from three kids who have been out of high school and have been playing linebacker for three years mm -hmm. i know what their skill set is i know what they're going to do i know what they and i what i need at this point, uh, you know, if I am the magic and I'm like, man, you know, I could use some wing depth. What, what the hell does that mean? Right. Like, what am I looking at in terms of what is wing depth? Who are these guys and what projects to what I want? And I, I think that's the problem. Once you get past the locks in terms of the top prospects, it's so much on what these 18, 19 year olds project to be as opposed to what they are. And I think it makes it kind of a crapshoot as you move further along in the, uh, the NBA. Uh, it, yeah, it's tough. And I mean, obviously, the last uh, couple of years almost or the year and a half with COVID, you, mm -hmm. you haven't been able to see these guys play. Two of the top uh, prospects much, so you, in the G League. Yeah, <laughs> so you have less information on these guys. So, uh, yeah, tricky tricky draft. Yeah, I, I think you can – there's probably advantages to be had in, like, a player position market, right? You know, if you're talking about a Kispert at 14 and a half, uh, things of that nature. So as you study a little bit more, uh, you get the stories coming out of a dude who had the audacity to smoke marijuana one time. You know what I mean? <laughs> things – you know, maybe you can get a gauge. No of, Olympics for him either. Right. You can get a gauge of, of what is happening in that regard. And so I think there are times where you could probably find an advantage there. But when we're talking, like, if you start 
to get odds on like exact fourth all, like fifth overall pick, sixth overall picks. Good luck to you because I got nothing on something like that. It's something that's more difficult, obviously, in the NBA draft than the NFL, like you were talking about here. What about Franz Wagner from Michigan? We saw him obviously uh, in the NCAA tournament. Nine and a half is his position right now, slightly juiced to the over minus 125. Yeah, so if you're going over, you were talking like Pelicans and higher, Kings mm-hmm. Magic, uh, Warriors, Thunder Magic, all in that range. I mean, my initial thought was to just go over. I think at times with the NBA draft, we tend to see the more recognizable names in their mm. draft position props uh, a little bit lower than they should be. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised looking at some big boards. It depends, right, on where you look. But Wagner's got a wide range in terms of big boards that are out there right now. So I would tend to go over. Yeah, something that's definitely a lot harder to predict, like JVT said, than the NFL draft. So keep that in mind if you do want to place bets here. Uh, so let's get into the MLB action a little bit uh, next up right here. We're going to play Would You Rather. I'm going to twist your guys' arm a little bit. My favorite thing to do right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome back in. VSIN is your betting headquarters for UFC 264. We're bringing you in depth analysis of the McGregor Poirier main event, plus key bouts on the undercard from our full team of experts, including Lou Finacaro, Reed Kuhn, and Jordan Sherwood. Sign up for the free VSIN newsletter to receive our digital guide and tune in Saturday at noon Eastern for First Strike, our live preview show with updates from all of our fight experts. Get everything you need for betting on UFC 264 and sign up now for the free UFC 264 betting guide at free. Daniel Alvari, JVT, Aaron Ridding, back here on My Guys in the Desert, ready to talk about some early MLB action. Uh, so let's start with the Braves at the Marlins, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern start here. We have Morton versus Thompson on the mound, and the Marlins entering the series hot after taking three games out of four against the Dodgers of all teams. What do you think? Yeah, and we get the market moving a little bit in Atlanta's direction. Not really surprising, right? Dollar thirty-five at the open. I see like a dollar fifty-four in a couple of spots here. Uh, and Morton's been pretty solid, man. No real indication there's going to be some regression coming. Two forty-two ERA, three thirty-seven expected fielding independent over his last twenty-six innings pitched. Uh, pretty tight in terms of that split on the season as well. Striking guys out at a pretty good rate, and I think that should pair well with this Marlins lineup. Uh, that you know, twenty-third in weighted runs created plus, fourth most, uh, fourth worst. I guess they call it um, strikeout rate as a lineup as well. So I can understand the market moving there. I kind of like Zach Thompson a little bit, but the thing that turned me off here was the fact that Atlanta, while well, they strike out quite a bit, they got a great on base percentage. And I feel like they could work some counts here against Thompson and, and find some success. So I kind of liked Atlanta here a little bit and agree with the market move for the most part. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't really seen Thompson pitched yeah. and don't know that much about him. Um, you know, interesting series as we approach the all-star break with a number of these, um, you know, it looks like uh, Miami's going to be on the outside looking in. Despite probably going to make great, some trades with the trade like the second best right, run differential starting, in that league. Right. <laughs> starting pitching is obviously dominant for them. But for a team like Atlanta, uh, three crucial games here uh, entering the, the, the break. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the Phillies and the Red Sox? Aaron, I know that you were looking at this game. I was on the Phillies yesterday. They did not help me out. Uh, this game has the highest total on the board. But the over is 5-0-1 in Garrett Richards' last six starts. Yeah, I uh, and I have money on the over here. Mm. Um, I went with the trend. Uh, hopefully, it is my friend in this t- in this instance. And uh, here it is with Garrett Richards. This is a guy that I've been going against his last uh, almost handful of starts, uh, if you will. He seems lost yeah. a little bit on the mound. In fact. I was actually a little bit surprised the Red Sox were going to start him one more time before the break. I thought that they would uh, maybe give him a pass, see if he can regroup. 
uh, for the second half. Um, obviously, a lot of talk about spin rates out there. His spin rates are down about as much as anyone uh, in Major League Baseball his last few starts. But I think it's more uh, than, you know, the sticky stuff, whatever. I, I think he's just really messed up as far as uh, in his head, as far as mechanics, etc. cetera. Uh, he's had nothing. He's been getting blitzed in his last few starts here. So I loaded up against him. Uh, I got this game over the total. Uh, first five innings, I got it over the total of the game. I have the Phillies team total over. And how about uh, cherry on top? I got the Phillies plus money on the five inning line. So when I see weakness, yeah. I'll uh, go ahead and tack and see All if I can in hit on a that score. Game. Yes. Yeah, well, and I think this, so there's a couple things. One, it, that month, I think it was May, where he had a, an ERA under three. You were kind of waiting for that to kind of break. Mm-hmm. You, you realize that he's a little longer in the tooth. It's a guy that really relies on velocity, especially at the peak of his career. Uh, you know, we've talked about fastball that was in uh, about 96 miles an hour on average, uh, high 80s in terms of the slider, but it hasn't been there for him as much. And I think this also speaks to our kind of, at least for me, the questions that I had about the Red Sox overall, which was they were getting such great performances at the top end of guys like Richards and Evaldi, and you wondered what the sustainability mm-hmm. of it was, or at least starting to see Richards take a step back here as a pitcher. One other early game we can take a look at here. Royals and Indians, 7-10 Eastern start for this one as well. Brad Keller on the mound versus Tristan McKenzie. Now, Brad Keller giving up the most hits in the MLB this year at 115. He's walked the third most in the MLB. Uh, meanwhile, McKenzie has walked 39 batters on his side, so is it crazy to look at an overplay here? Total sitting at 10. Yeah, interesting matchup. I mean, obviously, a sinker slider guy was Keller. So he is going to allow a lot of hits, but uh, he hasn't been able to keep the the, the runs from coming in uh, as well with the high ERA here. Talking over Danielle with the Cleveland Indians. uh, So that would get a little bit dicey with that question right there. They are going to have to score. Yeah, that is true. Well, and to to ER's point, too, with Keller, like uh, the command hasn't been there at all for him either. You're talking about nearly four and a half walks every nine innings. That speaks to some of his issues in terms of being able to find the strike. So when you're throwing a lot of breaking pitches and when he does find the strike zone, he's giving up home runs at a pretty alarming rate too. So I haven't seen, if you're talking about a side, I don't think I'd feel comfortable backing either side, just given the fact that both of these guys have some numbers that are pretty troubling. And even a guy like Keller, 639 ERA, 478 XFIP. So like he's getting some bad luck, but you're going to go from abhorrent to bad. And then like, that's not really something that you're banking on in terms of betting on a dude. Well, let's take a look at some MLV futures too, while we have a chance here. Let's play a little, would you rather we're past the halfway point of the season here so let's start with would you rather bet the Astros plus 250 or the White Sox three to one Uh, to win the American League this one's easy for me or give me the Astros really Uh, I I love that didn't even need to hear the other team well I also have them I have them at (laughs) six to one to win the American League but I look I like this team a lot their lineup is arguably the best in baseball at the top of the league in terms of a lot of key categories and what they've been able to do in terms of finding pitching uh, the depth of their pitching staff especially the top I think is really solid I like a lot of what the Astros bring to the table so yeah give me the Astros you know, hard to go wrong with either of these teams, yeah. but I'll go against you. I got oh, the White hmm. Sox at four to win, four to one to win the American Look League. It. So uh, I'm really a big fan of what this pitching staff has been able to do. I think they'll c- continue to do it. I like the new pitching coach that they added. For me, uh, I want the the better pitching, which I think, and you know, the Astros certainly have solid pitching as well. But I think uh, the better pitching here is with the White Sox. All right, let's go a little bit deeper into the odds here. Would you rather take the Red Sox at five to one or the Rays at six to one to win the AL? You know that's that's uh, interesting. A little juicier. Put in, uh, some some good questions in here, and you know the Red Sox are a team that you can expect maybe get Chris Sale back in the second half of the season. Uh, would perhaps have uh, an opportunity to go out and prove their team through trade, so they have that going for them to think about. But for me. 
always very difficult to bet against the Rays, JVT. Yeah, I, I, I would I would lean toward the Rays here. I do have them to win the AL East. I bet them really early at like plus 275 or so, and it's gotten back to that price here. So I still think that there's some faith. Uh, it does suck the injuries at the top of the rotation, but I, I also think that, and these are both two very good managers, but I think Cash one of the best managers in Major League Baseball, and I think it gives him an edge too. So slight lean to the Rays. What about the National League? Let's take a look here. Brewers at 5-1 to one or the Mets plus 550 to win the National League? So I'll project a little bit. The Mets <laughs> are rumored to go and get Chris Bryant. And if that is going to happen, I think that's a really solid addition to that lineup. And I like their pitching for the most part. But the Brewers really turned things around. And they have two really solid pitchers. Although we can talk about Burns and the spin rate. I'll go with the Brewers. I'm going to go with the Brewers as well. Uh, I think they have a little bit better pitching. I think some of the Mets pitching has been a little bit of a mirage in Stroman, Walker. And you worry a little bit about the injury situation yep. to Gabron uh, can finish the season. Uh, Walker or Stroman, uh, both those guys are capable of getting hurt as well. But you're right. Uh, the Mets probably that team that can make a splash, uh, go out and improve their team a little bit more uh, after the Milwaukee all right, let's uh, come back to baseball a little bit later on. Next up, let's talk about UFC 264 going on right here in town for us. Next on My Guys in the Desert. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Welcome back into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com. And remember, you can download the free OddsTrader app right now and start winning with the up-to-the-second info you need. Danielle Alvari, JVT, and Aaron Rinning back here on My Guys in the Desert and ready to talk UFC with Reed Kuhn in just a couple minutes here. But I thought we'd finish off our MLB Would You Rather. So... We're looking at long shots here in the National League. So the options are given you here, and please feel free to go outside the lines here if you don't like your choices. Reds at 28 to 1, or the Nationals also sitting at 28 to 1 as a long shot to win the National League. You know, it, it's interesting in the fact that, um, boy, uh, the, the way the Nationals went down um, oh. the other night. Yes, I had to recover from that. <laughs> right. Very difficult to recover yeah. from that. You see that. And, you know, Max Scherzer perhaps could be moved here. Um, not exactly running out to bet this Nationals team right now. The Reds, I would say a little bit intriguing. Uh, the bullpen has been a mess, been a little bit better uh, here of late. The lineup has overachieved to a certain extent. Uh, still capable in the starting pitching. So I would take the lesser uh, of maybe two evils here and go with the Reds at a big long shot price. Yeah, I think so. I will use some slight logic here, and I would go with the Nationals only because if you look at the way that the postseason picture is playing out, uh, the Reds potentially would have to win a wild card, right? With Milwaukee continuing to move the way that they're moving, the Nationals still have a pretty good shot at winning that division mm -hmm. if the Mets start to take a step back. So, with that in mind, I think I'd rather have the Nationals, but I, I, I also wouldn't really be confident in either one. Either one. Uh, what about the World Series? Taking a look here. Obviously, the top two teams uh, listed here are still sitting with the Dodgers um, at the top and then also uh, at plus 380, rather, and the Astros sitting at 6-1. to one. So a little bit longer here. Would you rather take the Padres plus 750 or the White Sox 8-1 to one to win the World Series? For me, it's back to the White Sox. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a team that uh, I like their starting pitching. We'll see if they can add to this lineup before the season is over. I have a couple issues with the, the Padres. Number one, you Darvish saw him pitch the yep. other night. Seems to have some issues with him. The spin rate's been down uh, mightily uh, for him. I'm not a big fan of the manager. I don't know. Yep. The, the name escapes me here, but in watching some Padres games, I thought he's made – um, some some decisions uh, that uh, I wouldn't make uh, that I didn't think really gave his team the best chance to win. So, uh, not that I'm a big Tony LaRusso fan at this right. point as well. Yeah, well, Padres got a good manager name. His name is Jace Tingler. So that's a, it's a solid last name. I would Part agree of your with handicap. <laughs> right. Yeah. That goes into it. No, and I would agree with ER sentiment. Like the one thing that has kind of bothered me for the most part about the Padres has been as you look at that pitching staff a little bit more. Like I've never really been the best like biggest Paddock fan overall. You know, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff to like about him. Blake's you're going to get like four innings out of them, and that's about it. You know, I think you want a little bit more out of that pitching staff. So I would agree that if I'm picking of these two, I'd probably go with the White Sox. Well, the other thing we can look at here, too, with the baseball, obviously, is the AL award, individual awards here. So we have AL MVP up and AL Cy Young up. AL MVP, leader in the clubhouse still, Shohei Otani, minus 250. But that was longer, I believe. I think it's even gotten a little bit uh, shorter since we last looked at it. And Garrett Cole as well for AL Cy Young, sitting at minus 125. So if you look at the AL MVP, is this Shohei's to lose at this point? I mean, it seems like you're right. I think the Westgate uh, Superbook reached as high as around $4, if yeah. I remember correctly, on Shohei Otani. Um, yeah, I think it's still his to lose lose for a certain extent and the dip coincides with his bad start in New York uh, where you know he got squeezed a little bit only lasted I think two outs and uh, eventually got out of there were seven earned runs but uh, the, the bat is still very live he's at what 32 33 home runs uh, in terms of AL MVP what he offers as a pitcher it is hard to make the case against him other than you know laying 320 for a season-long award in which we mm -hmm. still have half a year left to go 
Yeah, I'm a millennial. I like my results now. I don't bet a lot of futures. <laughs> well, it's just the risk, too, right? Like, what happened? This is a guy with a small injury history in Major League Baseball, right? So what happens if something happens to him? It's just it's the same thing when you go, like, the Mets in that division. They were as high as minus 480. Right. <laughs> it's just a dangerous prospect to lay big prices like this for season-long um, props in baseball. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think the pitching one is those are the ones that I'd be looking to attack right now because you have a lot of change in these pitchers. Garrett Cole is example Navy number one. He has mm -hmm. not been the same pitcher since mm -hmm. uh, the major league crackdown. He always what a me, coincidence. Yeah, to me, it's a little bit unrelated. More unrelated. <laughs> prone to injuries here uh, with pitching as well. So um, those are the you know you, we have change going on right now. So a hard a time to lock down pitchers. a future. So yeah, we want to yeah. kind of attack those markets. See if we can find some value. To me, going against Garrett. Cole would be option number one. Yeah, well, Rodone sitting behind him at plus 270 and even Lance Lynn at plus 550. Uh, let's bring in our guest to talk some UFC, Reed Kuhn, UFC analyst and author. Reed, thanks so much for making the time for us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a good weekend to be on. Yeah, and it's a good weekend to be in Vegas, obviously, with this Poirier and McGregor fight. That's the main card. What do you think of that one? Well, uh, last time <laughs> I said a similar story. Basically, there is value on Dustin Poirier, uh, generally because we do see price inflation on Conor McGregor. And that back then, the, I saw the fight as kind of a coin flip. So I was happy to take Dustin Poirier as nearly plus 200 there. This time around, um, now we're factoring in his last performance, both of their last performances. And so we actually see a lean. It's no longer a coin flip. It's a lean towards Dustin Poirier. The problem is that his price has since flipped. He, he came out as an underdog. He's now a slight favorite. So it's going to boil down to price point. I think there is some value even at minus 120, minus 125, where he's hovering today. Um, we'll see what the late action is. I I'm, haven't even looked at it in the last two hours. Uh, but I'm sure after weigh-ins, maybe there's going to be some fluctuation. So I'm just going to be watching the price. Um, I, I do think Poirier has the edge, but I would not want to pay too much of a premium because Conor McGregor is always going to be dangerous. I mean, these guys are two of some of the best strikers in the game, definitely two of the best in the lightweight division. So you don't want to spend too much on either one. You read, so I completely agree. I was in on Poirier uh, last time around, too. And to me, it is about the price. Like, ER just asked me who you like. I was like, I think Poirier, but if it gets to a certain point, I think I'm going to bet Connor. Well, what's the buy price for you on Connor? Because for me, it's in the range. Like, we're at minus 135, plus 115, at least at Circa. Uh, what is the plus price for you that you're like, okay, there is now enough of a swing here and some value on Connor? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, it's actually not how I run the analytics with, mm -hmm. with uh, a price point in mind. We come out with a prediction, and then we're comparing it to the current price because that's what we can get. Um, I, I think it's somewhere in the plus, like, 130, plus 140 range. I don't think it's going to get there uh, because I think some of that, that Irish money is going to land in Vegas any minute now. But even if it stays right where it is now, I will probably make a small play on Poirier. It's just it's not going to be one of my biggest bets of the night. Uh, Reed, one. Uh, so, what would you say would happen differently uh, in this fight than we saw in fight? In, in for obviously the first fight, maybe the the second fight as well. How will this be a different fight between uh, rather than the first two? Hopefully, we're actually going to see it change levels, and if it does, that definitely favors Dustin Poirier. He is clearly the better grappler. We saw glimpse of glimpse of it, I think, in the first round of their first fight. They, it just didn't spend a lot of time there. And you have two of the best strikers in the game going at it, and they were happy to. I think Poirier has evolved his striking so much more so in the last few years. 
um, and then he was having success with those leg kicks. I think both guys are going to try to out-strategize each other, um, but boil this down. Grappling is part of this game. It is a very important part of this game. Wrestlers tend to do very well. Poirier has submissions. He has transitions. He's slick on the mat. I think we should see more of that. If the first few leg kicks are checked by McGregor, you know, Poirier's got to pull something out. He's, uh, but he can go back to his base. He's the better grappler, so why not go there? So, read along that same line, then I was uh, one and a half is a round prop pretty much everywhere. It's heavily shaded to the over minus one eighty five. But you know, the, this first time around, I I kind of expected that as Dustin, and I did go over. I think it was two and a half at that time. One and a half. Uh, markets obviously thinks it's going to be a quick fight, but one and a half seems relatively small, doesn't it? Considering what we might see here in terms of level change and and more grappling from Dustin. Yeah, and both guys know what's at stake here. I mean, there's not going to be another rematch. So Conor McGregor knows he has to be more wary of Poirier's weapons. He learned that the hard way. Poirier might be more strategic in choosing to change levels. All of these tell me that it should take more time to develop. They're both still capable of finishing. So I still don't think it'll go full five rounds. Um, But I also agree with you. I think 1.5 is too tight. Moving ahead here, looking at some of the other uh, options on the card here, lightweight bout, welterweight. We have Burns and Thompson, Tuivasa and Hardy. Anything that you would look at a lower on the card here? Yeah, so the co-main event, um, that's another similar story. You've got two guys that are, okay, they're already good strikers. You have Wonderboy, who's one of the best at long-range striking and, and staying away from people and staying off his back. You have Burns, who was a pure grappler who turned into a dual threat fighter and has probably relied on his striking a little bit too much, at least recently. Uh, Then again, he was also fighting absolute crushers, um, great wrestlers. So this is a fight where Burns has probably the biggest asymmetric advantage on the mat of any matchup on this card. If Burns can get it to the ground, it it is his world. It's only a three-round fight. but it boils down to fight IQ for him. So if you're in this fight, if he can get it to the ground, I'm definitely taking that plus money. So I'm supporting Burns on this one Uh, versus the heavyweight strikers. This is one where finally like the wrestling does not matter. These guys have landed one takedown combined in their entire UFC careers together. So we're not going to see one guy trying to wrestle the other. We're going to see them hit each other until one of them falls down. And I think Tubasa is the better technical striker. He hits harder on a per-punch basis. He's faced the better talent. So I think in this case, uh, I'm willing to pay some juice on Tubasa. Um, and, and the odds are still relatively close. You don't see huge divergent lines often in heavyweight because everybody knows one shot can end it. Uh, but I'm backing the uh, Tubasa here. Reed, uh, one last question for you here. Anything on the undercard you would look at? Looks like we have some kind of tight lines here either side. Anything that you would want to highlight on the undercard? Yeah, that's the top of the undercard is Carlos Condit, former mm-hmm. welterweight champion. <clears throat> and I've heard, I've heard two sides on this one. Some people are going with the new guy, Max Griffin. They're saying Carlos is, should be faded. He's getting too old. He's too damaged. Right. Um, but even taking that aspect out of the analytics – just lining these two guys up, I see an edge. I see that essentially as a 50-50 fight, which means I'm going to take Condit and the plus money. Um, but I'm not even factoring in here that he has faced much, much better fighters opposite him. So right, I'm hoping that Condit, yeah. Something to look at here. Uh, Reed Kuhn, UFC analyst and author. Reed, thanks so much for making the time for us today. Thank you. Have a good one. 
All right, stick with us. We have a lot more coming up on Hour 2 of My Guys in the Desert. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 